Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Gathering all the information you would need to stay ahead of the curve on your crypto investments. Welcome to Thriller Rundown. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world, welcome back to another exciting episode of The Rundown. My name is Carl Gonzalez. Today is August 7th, 2019, and Bitcoin just might have had its first black swan event. Seriously, this is what we're talking about here at the beginning of the show. I think it's important for everybody to know what is going on and why this is a very big deal. Let's do it. Rundown, starting now. The Rundown. The term Black Swan Event describes certain events in history so profoundly unexpected and massive in scale that they fundamentally change the course of history. That's right. There are good black swans and then there are bad black swans. But... To say that we are seeing something like that uh, would be an understatement. There is a perfect storm happening for Bitcoin right now. Economic storm clouds have long been gathering on the horizon. We've seen this. We've known about this. We've been talking about this. The Dow just erased two-month gains. The Chinese yuan falling to a level not seen since 2008. And lo and behold, Bitcoin is surging. It's truly becoming a safe haven asset. And there's so much macro tensions across the globe, right? There's a refuge from economic warfare. We're seeing this turmoil in China where citizens are bound by strict capital controls and they're forced to watch their yawn give back 11 years of gains against the dollar. And then here in the United States, we have President Donald Trump imposing 10% tariffs on $300 billion worth of imports. And now we're having something called a currency war. U.S. Treasury Secretary Munchkin accused China of becoming a currency manipulator. That didn't go too well. And, and it sent shockwaves throughout the global markets. And of course, it pushed equities down because investors don't like to be scared and they're pushing towards safe haven assets like Bitcoin. And even gold, it's gone up to as well. So what we're having here, ladies and gentlemen, is a breakdown on a macro level happening before us. Bitcoin was born out of the last recession. And it'll probably thrive here in the next recession. Uh, and I, I do think that ultimately, uh, by the time we get to the next recession, uh, you know, zero is definitely in the cards and probably negative yields, just like what we're seeing in Europe. But the other side of this is, you know, we've had quite a move here. Uh, 
technically, we're getting uh, to an exhausted level. I could see the 10-year note getting down to like 1.4 percent before uh, you know we we correct. But uh, ultimately, I think we're going to have to back rates up a bit and, and have some consolidation. Uh, and also watch the economy. I mean, right. the, Kelly, the most what happened to data here, dependence? Well, exactly. I think data dependence went out the window. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think that uh, you know the, the Federal Reserve has uh, shown us that they are on uh, a path to do anything they have to do to try to keep the economy going. But Scott, and, and you put uh, out one of the best notes I've read on this lately, where you said the main impediment to a growing economy right now is more labor supply. That doesn't have anything to do with the Federal Reserve, and you thought they should maybe even hike rates into this. Well, it's interesting because if you, if you landed from Mars and you had no idea of anything else but our economic data, you would say, you guys should be raising rates. Mm-hmm. But, but the bottom line here is that, uh, and we are hitting capacity constraints, but the Federal Reserve is so afraid of interest rates getting back to zero and the United States ending up in the same quagmire as Europe and Japan with right, negative rates. Right, but they rates. are causing it, Scott. I mean, you tell me because you're the market, you're, you're, you're the expert. Japan and Europe are causing negative rates because they are saying to their countries, we will continue to buy bonds and maybe even equities at these levels. If the U.S. goes the same way, it's going to be their fault if everybody flips their debt to them. Well, that, that's true. But you know, Kelly, the unfortunately, because the on the fiscal side, we're not doing the things we need to do right. to create growth. Uh, uh, the reality is, is that ultimately we are going to end up in a recession. And given how low rates are and the fact that the Federal Reserve is the only game in town, they are going to do whatever they have to, including negative interest rates. But wouldn't it be better if people stood up, Scott, yourself and other market participants, everyone stands here and tells us rates are going to zero because the central bank's the only game in town. Well, what if everybody stood up and said the central bank doesn't have to be the only game in town? Well, Kelly, I agree with you 100 percent. And I think I've been pretty vocal. Uh, Yeah. uh, You know, I say, you know, perhaps we, uh, you know, people like Ray Dalio and I and others should get together and take out a full page ad in the Wall Street Journal (laughs) uh, and and, and sign this thing. Because, you know, the, the real problem, if you look at Japan, you look at Europe, the source, the fundamental source of their problem is demographics. Their, their working age population is shrinking. The United States, our working age population is very, very slowly growing and will eventually start to shrink. The, the, the answer for all of the world is to get more people at, to work. Mm-hmm. And that means, you know, you know, look, you could increase the birth rate, uh, but, uh, you know, that, that's going to take a long time uh, to, to have an influence on the working age population. So immigration uh, would be the smartest thing to do. But of course, I think you guys should do it. Full page ad. We could use income tax incentives uh, to incentivize people having more kids. There's, they're doing it in Hungary. <laughs> There's tons of stuff you could do. Well, that's that's true, but I don't think we have 20 years to wait for them to get to work. Uh, I think I think we're going to need something faster. Uh, and uh, you know, this is um, you know this this is a crisis. Let's face it. Uh, 
uh, you know, the, 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 the rule book uh, of how things are done and how they're analyzed, we can just throw out. Uh, I had a, a, a research meeting this morning with my economic team, and, you know, we were talking about things central banks could do, and one of the comments from one of the analysts was, well, if, if the ECB, you know, were to suddenly buy like $50 billion worth of gold mm. to force their currency down, that would draw attention and it could be a problem. And I said, it, it doesn't matter if it draws attention anymore. Everybody is just doing whatever they have to to survive. And, um, you know, I don't rule out anything at this point in terms of uh, the craziness of what we're going to go through. No, you can't. And because the central banks are telling us we shouldn't. Financial experts have found themselves wiped out by black swan events. Of course, everybody knows about the subprime mortgage crisis, which wiped out thousands of businesses and brought entire countries to their knees. Companies, people, everybody needs to have a backup plan to make sure that they become less fragile. These catastrophic events, no matter how unlikely, can somewhat be planned for. Not necessarily specifics, but by asking the right what if questions. What if this happens? What if that happens? By their very nature, black swan events themselves cannot be defined or predicted by definition. They haven't happened before. Not on this level. Bitcoin is lucky, though, and it's inherently anti-establishment, anti-systematic, and anti-state. Bitcoin undermines governments and disrupts institutions because Bitcoin is fundamentally humanitarian. There's an elimination of third-party intrusion It's purely peer-to-peer. The blockchain is free speech, is decentralized, is voluntary, is non-aggressive. Bitcoin is not supposed to work within our current mechanisms. Bitcoin needs not entities of authority to acknowledge it, to incorporate it, to regulate it, to tax it. Bitcoin does not pander to power structures. It undermines them. And make no mistakes, ladies and gentlemen, Bitcoin right now is having a black swan event. This is, this is exactly what people have been saying for a very long time when it came to Bitcoin, but it's another thing to see it happen before our eyes. And it's kind of scary in a way to be honest with you, because no one wants to see the world, you know, go away the way it was. But I do know I feel better now, currently, today than I did in 2008. You know, it's peculiar that um, one black swan event was perhaps the genesis of Bitcoin's birth. Yeah, I think I think everybody forgets, but the subprime mortgage crisis, which almost brought down the entire banking industry, it was it was it was bad, and the, the, most bankers knew about it. The problem was that they sold off the loans and became rich off of somebody else's problem. But you don't have to do that this time. You can exit out. You can head over to something that is without a government, without motivation. Something that keeps you away from the cards being stacked up before they fall.
Okay, with that, let's get on to five good minutes. Let's do it. Five good minutes. All right. So today's five good minutes. I'm going to spend it on what I'm calling why I'm staying out of Bitcoin purchasing this week. <laughs> I know you're probably thinking like, Car, what are you talking about? Well, I think I think I think everything that's gone on this week has just been so alarming to me personally, uh, covering this information, doing the research on it. Probably since about a week ago, we started finding out everything was kind of coming out. And this week has just seen the the aftermath of it all and, and kind of what's transpired and kind of processing it and trying to understand from just a, not only a crypto level, but from a macro level, what this all means and, and getting interesting takes from around everybody. And, and it's it's definitely a for sure thing now that a recession is coming. Um, and, and that's scary, right? That's, that's a very scary thing for a lot of us here uh, on this world. And um, I think uh, most people don't know this. Most people have no idea that Ray Dalio posted something on LinkedIn, you know, a couple of weeks ago talking about how this recession was coming and, and what to put your money in. Something that'll, you know, keep a store of value. But seeing Bitcoin rise over 12K today and, and yesterday was just alarming because it, it, it let the world know that uh, Bitcoin is this uh, safe haven of sorts. It's not perfect, but uh, I definitely think it's the best chance the world got when it comes to a self-sovereign currency that belongs to the internet. And right now we're at $11,873 and it's gone down a little bit. And so this week I'm, I'm, I'm on the sidelines with Bitcoin. I'm not purchasing it because I'm not sure what's going to happen. Uh, this is probably the most bullish I've seen everybody in the space be about Bitcoin. And when people become really bullish like this, it really scares me. It really scares me. Um, not only that, but you also have all these other macro factors at play too, as well, too. So what I'm doing right now is I'm just appreciating all these gains um, and I'm, I'm holding back for now. I, I want to see how this plays out. And one of the other key interesting items that I'm looking forward to is that's right. The 19th. I want to I want to see. I want to know if uh, if this ETF is going to go through or not. I think uh, I think if we keep going uh, sideways here between 11 and 12 which would be great if we stay in this range for the next week and a half. Um, we could have some very big news. And the last time we had an ETF, it was leaked out, I want to say, on a Friday. So we'll probably find out something on the 16th of next week, whether that's going to get approved or, or denied or delayed. Um, I, think the, I think the last time we looked at this, we were told beforehand uh, it was kind of leaked that it was going to get delayed. So that's one thing I'm kind of waiting for, too, as well. Uh, if Now, don't get me wrong. If, if the price of Bitcoin 
goes down under 10, 10K, of course, I'm going to be buying back in. But uh, being at these levels and, and seeing a lot of a FOMO kind of take place um, kind of makes me like want to wait just to see where this is all going to shake out. And, and a lot of people are expecting that we're going to see even higher levels later this week and into the weekend. But I'm just kind of <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to stay on the sidelines for this. I'm not going to buy anything that's going to, you know, you know side one way or another and for the most part ladies and gentlemen you know i've been accumulating the entire time through, through that whole bear market you know in, in november december so that's five good minutes on why i'm staying out of purchasing bitcoin this week it's probably not what you're expecting to hear i'd imagine <laughs> yeah all right let's get on to the code of hard truth we're gonna be talking about binance yeah, I know, not surprising. The Hard Truth. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! the truth. All right. So today we are talking Binance. And if you didn't hear, Coindesk ran a piece today where they said that uh, they had been in negotiations with a Binance KYC hacker. That's right. They were in talks with this guy named Banantov Platon. He revealed that he allegedly hacked individuals behind an earlier hack in which 7,000 Bitcoin were stolen from Binance. He claimed that his aims were altruistic and he simply wanted to bring the hackers' identities to justice. Basically, we have hackers hacking hackers. However, he ended up effectively asking money from Binance with promises that he would not disclose customer data. Of course, Coindesk had an extensive amount of information on this guy named Banantov Platon and uh, they had been talking to him via a group chat. But ultimately, um, this is exactly why I stay away from Binance. And this is why I exactly told a lot of y'all to stay away from Binance. This is not surprising. One of the one of the things I, I remember talking about extensively through 2018 was how fast Binance was moving. They were moving really, really fast, like really, really fast, adding tokens scaling, moving, moving countries, like doing whatever they had to do to get first place. And by all means, they did it. But if there's one thing that I do know <laughs> when it comes to ramping up and, 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 and moving forward and, and moving too quickly, especially when it comes in, when it comes to technologies and servers and networks and systems and user data, customer data, if you're not if you're not like checking everything and if you don't have systems in place, you could really screw up, like really, really screw up. There's a reason why some things take time to scale. It's because if you don't do your research, if you scale too fast, you'll make a mistake. You'll you'll miss a vulnerability. You'll miss a threat that was there that you didn't bother fixing. And this is why I was 
really against, you know, Binance here last year and opposed to using them because it, it just it didn't make sense. And the more FUD that came out throughout the year, whether that was the hack and now this customer data out there in the open web. And a lot of people, of course, immediately said, oh, oh no, 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 this is fake news. CZ went on there, and said, no, this is old news. This never happened. I don't believe them at this point. Why? Why would you believe them? Why? <laughs> I'm not saying that they're trying to steal your money. I'm not saying that this is true. All I'm saying is when it has when there's a company in the crypto space that has this much bad, bad news surrounding them. How could you believe that their altruism aims to be true? At least that's where I come from. <laughs> Call me old fashioned. But uh, the fact another thing, too, that doesn't get pointed out here this much, but I was very surprised to see Mike from the block call them out on this is Coindesk. Like, how the hell do you keep all this information, especially when you know you're dealing with somebody that's a hacker? Why would you not let the, the people know about that their KYC is out there? Why would you not be a true, you know, leading media company that they're trying to be in this space and say, hey, we got this guy who says he stole your data. Should we let the public know <laughs> instead of sitting on it for a month and then finally letting everybody know? Now, like I said, everybody's saying this is not true. Everybody's saying this is fake news. But to be honest with you, shame on Coindesk as well, too, for for negotiating with this KYC hacker for over a month. And at, at the at the kind of the at the bottom level of all this is you have this guy, the, the hacker, the, the one that uh, hacked the hackers that that took the 7000 Bitcoin from Binance. There, there is nothing wrong with what he did, to be honest with you. He saw a vulnerability. He saw an easy attack and he took it. That is what he's supposed to do. He's a hacker. And the hackers that hacked Binance, same thing. They saw a vulnerability. They saw a threat. Shame on them for not patching that, you know. And so this is something that I see in my work, in my job every day, not at this level. But if you're not checking and rechecking and keeping up with maintenance on servers and switches and routers and firewalls and all of the above when it comes to your technology stack, line of business software, whatever it may be, you're going to suffer the consequences. And that's just how it is. And it really starts from the top down, it really does. You have to have that company, that leader preaching and, and saying over and over and over how important security is. It has to be a beating drum always. Okay, I digress. You know, we're getting into an interesting time here for Bitcoin. We're entering this next stage. It's becoming more of a age of Bitcoin, I would say. And I'm sure macro tensions across the globe 
and Bitcoin surging 7.5% causing fresh speculation. I mean, it, it all had to do with it, right? But there's true potential out there for regular individuals who want to stack Satoshis and make a hedge for what's coming. You can truly be a lot stronger in the next few months if this recession happens or if it does happen next year or the year after. You could be in a lot better situation than you would be not knowing about it. And so that's promising in a way. See you guys tomorrow.